you know, I'm always fascinated by how the Spirit of the Lord works within us individually and collectively as a church. And there's no coincidences with God. I realized, you know, when I was preparing for this Sunday that it was God's wisdom that allowed his spirit to put within the VCI prayer team the scriptures uh, that will be foundational for us to go through this journey together. It was God's providence that allowed us to choose John 17 as our script, one of our eight scriptures. And it's God's providence and it's God's will that that scripture is our leading scripture today in the gospel reading as we continue this journey with God. So I invite us all to be open to see and to hear and to discern what God is showing us as the body of Christ here at St. Matthew's. So having said that, I invite us to pray before I deliver this message. Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you, God, for your presence in us. Thank you for your presence among us in this moment, God, as we gather to worship you. Thank you, O God, that as we carry burdens, O God, of our own and burdens for people who are dear to us, that you are acquainted with all of our burdens and you are working in them, bringing forth, O God, life and great things, O God, to your glory and to your purpose. Thank you, God, that we are the body of Christ and you are helping us to become one, O God, in you and one with each other as you are, O God, in the Trinity. Thank you, O God, that you have us to open our hearts, O God, to receive all that you would have for us. Thank you for each person that is on our prayer list, O oh God, that you personally know them by name and you are with them, O oh God, in their journey of life, O oh God. Thank you, God, that you are still the God who sits on the throne and you are still the God who works in the hearts of your people, bringing forth healing by your grace and mercy. Thank you, God, that you are inspiring our hearts in special ways today. Come, Holy Spirit, come, God. Take me out of self. Allow your spirit, O oh God, to minister in me and through me, God, to my brothers and sisters. Grant us all ears to hear and hearts to receive and spirit to respond. And when it's all said and done, God, may you be glorified in us and through us so that the world may know we are your disciples. And the people of God say together, amen, amen, and amen. So I will confess to you this morning that all of last week, uh, while I was at conference and, uh, and while I was you know, dealing with the life of the church from a distance and everything, I kept on saying to the Lord, God, you know, I have a sermon that I have to preach on Sunday, God. And you are not, you are not really giving me what I want, God. So I sat there, I sat there the second day, um, you know, and the Spirit of the Lord said to me, I've already given it to you, Virginia. I was like, oh, really? How come I don't know this, God? You know, he says, yeah. He says, your sermon title is in the theme for the conference. 
As many of you know, that the United Methodist Church, we are within the Texas Annual Conference. So the Texas Annual Conference met last week, started on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, up to Wednesday. And the theme for the conference this year is that uh, entitled, A Future with Hope. So I said, okay, God, you know, why do I have to recreate anything, all right? You have already given it, a future with hope. So now help me to fill out the blank, fill in the blanks. What are the pieces in between there, God? You know, and sometimes we can spend so much time trying to figure things out, and if we just stop and be still, you know, the Spirit of the Lord will say, look, this is it, this is it, that is that. So I said, okay, a future with hope. So what was that all about? It is about the state of the church. The state of the church in our day and our time, specifically the state of the United Methodist Church. Many of you know, as I'm sure, that the church has been embroiled in the social issues concerning the rights and privileges even within the church for persons who identified as LGBTQIA+, right? And, and I'm not even going to go into all of the, you know, the, the meanings of the letters, but it is people that we are concerned about. And for the church, the church has been embroiled in its own battle about how do we understand scripture and how do we apply scripture to these issues. And, and, and I have to say that I really believe that the enemy has been doing a very good job of dividing the church, of keeping the church uh, focused on one thing when God says we need to be focused on Jesus Christ and how we are to allow Jesus and his love to guide us and to instruct us and even to help us even when we disagree with each other. A future with hope. So then, you know, I'm thinking again and I'm still struggling, you know, with, okay, God, make this thing clear to me. So then, this card, and I know some of you can't see it because, you know, I'm hopeful that one of these days we will have the screen and I'll be able to put these images up there and you'll be able to see it clearly. But on this card, really, I bought this card a few weeks ago and I'm always buying cards. People who know me know that, you know, I'm always sending cards. You probably have received a card from me at some point or the other, right? You know, because I think, why recreate something when other people have the gift to say the words right, and it's in my heart, and all I have to do is sign my name and send it out to y'all, right? Because y'all get it. Y'all know I love y'all, right? But this card card really spoke to me because it speaks to the thing that is deep within my heart, which is life. And that life I don't take for granted. That life comes from none other than Jesus Christ and his spirit that lives within me. So on the card is a beautiful picture of a butterfly, a butterfly perched on a leaf. You know, and those of you who know me well know that I love butterflies, you know, i.e. butterfly, right, on me. Because for me, butterfly symbolizes new life. It symbolizes hope. It symbolizes everything that the freedom that God wants us to have as children of God who exercise that faith to live in that freedom with Jesus Christ, right? But the butterfly is fascinating to me because I also love the fact that the butterfly didn't start off as a butterfly. 
It started off as a little caterpillar, you know? And, and God did some miraculous work in that to bring that caterpillar in its transformation into this beautiful butterfly. So every time I see a butterfly, I get joyful inside of me because I think about myself. I think about the freedom that God has given me through Jesus Christ, how God, you know, sent his son, you know, to die for me and for the whole world. But not only that, that we may have life and we may have it abundantly. So the butterfly caught my attention. And then, of course, the words on it caught my attention. And this is what it says. Hope. Hope is the beautiful place between the way things are and the way things are yet to be. I think I need to say this again. Hope. Hope is the beautiful place between the way things are presently and the way things are yet to be. So how are things right now? Hmm? How are things with you? How are things? Double thumb up. Hallelujah. Y'all can talk to me. That's fine. I, I, I do better. I, you know, the spirit flows freely when y'all talk back to me. Y'all might be here longer, but that's okay. You know? So, so how are things with you now? And what are you hoping for that is yet to be? Hope, a future with hope, is that beautiful place, you know, between where things are now and where things are yet to be with God. And all of us in here this morning, we have been given the gift of hope. We have been given that gift of hope in Jesus Christ. And when we think about all that's going on in life, and yes, you know, we are human beings and we are emotional beings and we are, you know, intellectual beings and we are reasonable beings and we are all those kind of things in our beings. But we are also people, beings in Christ Jesus. So sometimes the issues in the world in which we live, this broken world, this world where people's lives are broken, people are struggling, Sometimes all of those issues can overwhelm us. But God says to us, we need to keep focus on the hope. We need to keep focus on the future that God has already provided for us. I think, you know, it was best in the Old Testament when the prophet spoke to the people of Israel in Jeremiah 29 and 11. And and he spoke that because the heart was inspired by God's spirit to speak to the people who were going through difficult times. You know, the people who were out, you know, out in another land, the people who were not sure what the future held, the people who were not sure if God was really with them, if God really favored them. And then the prophet spoke God's words. God said to the people then, and God is saying to us now, I know the plans that I have for you, said the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to hurt you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. So how do we deal with this promise 
that God has for God's people when we are dealing with the reality of life, when we are dealing with, you know, family infighting and we are dealing with sickness and diseases and we are dealing with death and we are dealing with unforgiveness and we are dealing with financial situations and homeless people and mental health. You get it. The list goes on and on. How do we deal with this? How do we hold on to the hope? What is the purpose of holding on to the hope that God has for us? Ah, I'm glad you asked. The purpose is life. And the purpose is eternal life. And when we hear the readings today from Miss Nell, you hear in the, in the passage of Acts, you hear that there was this young girl. She was being oppressed. She was being exploited. Her spirit was not right with God. You know, and she had this gift that was being used for the wrong reason, the gift of divination. It was, she was, you know, telling people, fortune telling. Let's put aside the big word. She was telling people's fortune. She was predicting the future. And it's interesting to me in that text that, you know, the woman was saying, the little, the young girl, she was saying things that were true. She was speaking about the apostle Paul and Silas, and she was telling people, look, they are the people who have Jesus. They are the people who have the salvation gift. They are the people who are telling others about Jesus. So what's wrong with that? What's wrong with what she was saying that the Apostle Paul had to intervene and command that spirit to be silent, to come out of her in the name of Jesus? Maybe it had something to do with the fact that the spirit that was guiding her, the source that was guiding her was not the Christ spirit. And so being that in speaking Against that spirit, Paul, through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, allowed this woman to be set free from something that was oppressing her, something that was keeping her from being the best that God created her to be. And then we go on to that passage again, passage of hope. We hear that even though the apostle Paul and Silas, you know, they were arrested and flogged and they were thrown into prison and Sometimes we come encounter difficult situations in life and we say, where is God in this? Why am I going through this? And sometimes we don't know why, the answer to the why, but we can see God in the midst of our suffering and in the midst of our persecution. Because even though Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, they had the spirit of Christ, they had hope in them, so that at midnight they were able to pray and they were able to sing hymns to encourage their soul. And when you praise God, great things happen. Because then they said suddenly an earthquake occurred. You know, and suddenly the prisons were open and suddenly the chains, the shackles were loosed. And people were set free. But interesting in the midst of all of that is the story of the jailer. A man who did not know Jesus Christ. But because he saw and he heard the witness of Paul and Silas in the midst of their difficult situation. And he saw that, you know, in the midst of the earthquake, the prisoners didn't escape. 
that jailer, God used that moment, God used those circumstances for that jailer's heart to be sensitized that he came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and he and his household were baptized. What's in that story for us? You have a purpose. You have a purpose to witness to the saving grace and love and mercy of Jesus Christ. You never know who is listening to you. You never know what God is doing. And it's not so much for us to know and to see all the time, but it's just for us to believe that God is always at work. God is always bringing God's people closer to God's self because that's God's desire to be in relationship with those God created. That includes all of us. And then we hear the message from Revelation. I love it that the last chapter in Revelation says... That Jesus is coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And I often thought, think about that, and I said, do I really want Jesus to come back today? And I said, not yet, God. Not yet, God. Because, Lord, when I think about myself, when I think about some things that are going on with me, and when I think about the world, and when I think about the church, that there's so much, you know, div- you know divisiveness going on, so much bickering. We have lost sight of the purpose for which we have been called, which is to share Jesus Christ and his grace and his mercy. When I think about all of that, I said, oh, Lord Jesus, we still have so many people in this world who do not yet know you and who do not yet know that you have offered them freedom of life, eternal life with Christ Jesus. So here is John, because he's going through his time in the first century, You know, and he's writing from the vision that he sees because the church was being persecuted then. The church is being persecuted today. And the spirit of the Lord, the angel of God, gave John that vision so that he could be encouraged in his spirit and he could share it with others. Mm, We have a message to share. And then we come to the gospel reading for today and we hear something fabulous. We hear something fantastic We hear that Jesus, before he even went to the cross, Jesus prayed to the Father for his immediate disciples, the inner circle. But the fantastic thing is that he also prayed for the believers yet to come. He prayed for all of us before we even existed that we would come to believe that Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one working on behalf of all creation. That is good news. That is good news for all of us in here, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. He prayed for you. He prayed that you would come to believe that God the Father sent him into the world to die and absorb all of humanity's sins, past, present, and future. What more do we need? What more do we need? That's the good news. So here we are today at St. Matthew's. And every time I look out... And I see you, I give God thanks for you because I know God is at work in us. 
Sometimes we get it good. Sometimes we do not get it so good. But God is still loving us and still at work in us. I cannot help. I always tell you all on Pancake Breakfast Weekend, I am always looking to see what God is doing. I'm always looking to experience God through the people who come through our doors. Because yes, they're coming for pancakes, but do you think that's all God have in mind? I think not. God allowed them to come so that we could share the light of Christ that is within us and they can share the light of Christ within them. And if they don't have that light, we can allow that light to reach out and touch them and let God do the work. And that happened on yesterday. I saw faces. I met people that I had not met before. And it was a beautiful time. It leaves you feeling good. And then I hear, I heard about, you know, what some of our members did, you know, representing our good neighbor ministry. You know, that, that was not us. That was God initiating that ministry for us and saying, who will go for me? But I, I heard through a partnership that we had in the community that some of our people answered the call and went and spent the day yesterday repairing the home of a lady who was devastated by Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, years ago. And this person's house is still in a mess. But oh God, some of our brothers and sisters responded. When God says that we may be one, when Jesus prayed that we may be one with each other and with Christ, it was that we could do the works, the continuing works and desire of God's heart to people that we do not know. What good is it, Jesus said, if you love those who love you back? What good is that? But think about the fact that this woman, this 77-year-old woman, you know, who had been waiting for so long for God to show up, and God showed up to the peoples that are working and helping her house to be restored so she could go back into her house and praise God. She saw God. She saw Jesus in the people who would come through her house on different Saturdays. And the call is still out there before you because if you all tell me I am too old and I can't do it, I'm going to tell you, do you have breath? And if you have breath, there's something that you can be doing. It may not be fixing that house, but it may be something that God has put on your heart because God will never let us continue to live without giving us the conviction that there's something we can do for the body of Christ to maintain the unity of the body of Christ, that we may be one and we may go forth into the world, into our community, and let others know that Jesus Christ is real. So I'm back to my butterfly. I can smile, you know, when I don't feel like smiling. You know, I, I, I said to Denise the other day, pray for me, because y'all sometimes think your pastor, because your pastor has a connection with God, that your pastor doesn't need prayer. Your pastor needs lots of prayer, let me tell you. If nothing else, to keep me woo, stable so I can minister to y'all when y'all have your difficult moments, right? I'll tell you, in the last month, I have officiated so many funerals. Uh, I have attended so many funerals, and they're still weighing on my heart. And it gets heavy sometimes. Sometimes I say, oh, Lord, I'm weary. But you know what? I am so thankful that I don't say, God, I'm weary and I'm ready to quit. 
because the Spirit will not let me quit. Because I have come to believe in the Word of God that has been revealed, became flesh and dwelt in us, that God is doing a great work in God's people in this world, and this is not our permanent home. Our permanent home has already been secured for us in Christ Jesus. But how we hope our way through that into what is not yet, when we do that with Christ, he renews our strength. He gives us a different perspective. He sends people along the way to encourage you and to let you know, hey, your reward is coming. Your reward may not be on this earth, but Jesus is coming. And when he's coming, he's coming with rewards to give to those who remain faithful all the way until the end. We have work to do. And this Vibrant Church Initiative is the beginning of a new journey that God has invited us to with Christ and how we respond because all of us have to respond, not just some, not just the team leaders, not just the pastor, but we all have to respond. And when we do that with the intention of the heart to be unified in the oneness of Christ who lives within us, then God gets the glory and we get the joy of serving Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and God's people say, Amen, Amen, and Amen.